Um, uh, just a quick way of introduction uh, before uh, Ruth comes and brings uh, our Bible reading this morning. Uh, last week we started a new series um, that will lead us up till Christmas. It's about preparing our hearts to receive the true gift of Christmas, which is Christ. And at a time of year where things can start to get busy and cluttered and we start thinking about presents and schedules and tasks that we need to do, Our series for this season of Advent is about simplicity, about decluttering our hearts, about decluttering our schedules, about decluttering uh, the things uh, that can often get in the way of us receiving the true gift of Christmas. And last week we looked at simplicity and materialism or simplicity and consumerism. Uh, Next week we're going to be looking at simplicity and contentment. Uh, But this week we're going to be looking at simplicity and speech. And so I thought at this point we'd invite up Ruth, who's going to be bringing us uh, a, a, a quite well-known passage from James chapter 3, but we're going to be using different parts of the Bible because it's more of a thematic talk today. Uh, but do listen to these words that Ruth is going to be speaking because they have great uh, use and application to all of our lives. So at this point, I'd like to invite Ruth. Hope you come. Good morning. So if you want to follow it in your Bibles, then you need page 1,214. So, because we're looking at James, as David said, James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. So that's 1,214. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obeyers, We can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. 
and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Amen. Thank you, Ruth. So, simplicity and speech. Now, if we were to consider, if we were to consider um, all of humanity in both its amazing glory and splendor, but also at times when we look across the world, its horror and depravity, it becomes clear that both our highest heights and our lowest lows has, has something in common. And that often, both our highest heights and our lowest lows come from language, the words that we use. Think of some of the great works of literature, think of some of the beautiful works of poetry that, that has inspired uh, countless many to brilliant deeds. But also think of the words that have ignited acts of genocide and racism and evil. Because words matter. Words have power. And we know this to be true not only on a global and historical level, but also on a deeply personal level. There's a well-known nursery rhyme, isn't there? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now I suggest that we rename this, uh, instead of a nursery rhyme, we rename it as a nursery lie, because it's a fallacy, and we all know it to be an untrue. Uh, In fact, we should either call it a lie, which is what it is, we're deceiving our children, or we should perhaps rewrite this nursery rhyme so that it is more factually correct. Sticks and stones can only break my bones, but words have a power to penetrate our souls and destroy us at the deepest level. To quote uh, uh, a wisdom literature that has a huge amount to say upon this subject that we're looking at today about the power of words and speech, um, uh, which we're going to be looking at a few verses from Proverbs. Let me read to you one to begin with. This is Proverbs 12, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords. Sticks and stones can only break my bones, but words can pierce our souls. Because words matter, words can hurt us, and our words hurt others. And that's why simplicity of speech is important. Because not only do our words have the power to destroy others, our words also have the power to bring healing, and to build up others. Think of all the research that so clearly shows that young people today are desperate for words of affirmation. They they drink it up like a thirsty sponge. 
Let me read to you again that verse from Proverbs, but in its fullness. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Our tongues can pierce or they can heal. And we need to tame our tongue, as our passage says. Words have the power to destroy or bring healing. Uh, uh, to, uh, to, to put it more clearly, Proverbs says it in a very plain language. To use another verse, Proverbs 18, verse 21 this time. It simply says this, The tongue has the power of life or death. That's what the tongue has the power. It has the power of life and death. The tongue has this power, and therefore simplicity of speech is important. Our words will either bring life or they'll bring death to those around us. But more than this, our words not only can bring life and death to those around us, what we might not recognize, which is a little bit less obvious, that our words can also bring life and death to the people that say them, to ourselves. The words that we speak actually impact our souls. There's a certain power in words. I mean, try to think of it this way. If, I, if any of us get up in the morning, yeah, and we want to be productive and, and uh, add value to the world, what we need to do is we need to get up, and the first thing we need to do is to get dressed. If we get dressed, we can be productive. We can add value. There's something uh, positive about that, stronger about that. And in the same way, our words clothe the thoughts that we have. So, for instance, you may feel bitter, or you may feel angry, or upset, or lonely. But when we choose to give voice to these feelings, we give these thoughts even more power over ourselves. When we clothe our inner thoughts with verbal words, they start to hold a greater power over us. And what I want to say very clearly is that there is an absolutely important time and place to speak and to process your emotions, to verbalize your emotions in a healthy and helpful way. That is what counselors do. Uh, that, is, that is the value of, of, of friendships, of healthy friendships. We, we are encouraged to speak about our feelings. We should not bottle them up. But left to our own devices, I know this can be true in my life, and perhaps you can resonate, resonate with this, that we can all too easily start by being healthy, by verbalizing, by processing our feelings, and soon we start to slip into unhealthy ways of speaking. If we feel lonely, we might say to ourselves things like, no one cares if I'm alive or if I'm dead. You know, what's the point in being alive? And when we verbalize these words, and if you've ever verbalized these words, you know, I'd encourage you to repent of them and to stop saying them because they hold power over us because when we verbalize them, they start to get a grip on us. Or we might feel 
ourselves upset, and it's okay to be upset. We live in a broken world. But sometimes through speaking words, we can find ourselves tumbling down the rabbit hole in an unhealthy way rather than in a healthy way. Or we may feel angry. We may wake up one day feeling angry, and then we start to give voice to our anger. But soon, this voice stops being healthy, venting of frustrations, and it starts to bubble up within us, and we whip ourselves up into a frenzy, and we start to interpret everything, that, every interaction through this negative lens. These words can start to, to have an impact with us, and it can actually transform what might be a perfectly fine situation into a deeply destructive one, all by the power that your words have had over yourself. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, uses an illustration from Nazi Germany to to explain this idea that anger can actually be self-destructive. He writes this, The Germans, perhaps, at first, ill-treated the Jews because they hated them. Afterwards, they hated them much more because they ill-treated them. The more cruel you are, the more you hate, and the more you hate, the more cruel you will become, and so on in a vicious cycle forever. You see how words can drag us down, can take situations that maybe are not that bad, and we can... We can, we can allow them to overwhelm us and the situation could get worse rather than better and I really want to re-emphasize that it is absolutely important to talk about your feelings keeping them bottled up is not a good thing we need to find trustworthy people who we can talk to but I just counsel you when you feel as if the conversation is getting too far and it's starting to be unhealthy just have the self-discipline to say, actually, I need to stop now. I need to stop because it's, it's becoming destructive as opposed to me helping me become more healthy. We need to be constantly vigilant with our words that we are speaking, that they are leading to health for us and not destruction for us, as well as health for others and not destruction for others. And perhaps you can relate to this in your life, there are times when talking things through can be helpful, and there are times when talking things through can actually make things worse. To use Proverbs again, the tongue has the power of life and death, not only for others, but for ourselves. And in fact, I would suggest that in the short term, negative words that we speak do more harm to others and more harm to God. But in the long term, they do more harm to the person speaking them. They do more harm to the person speaking the negative words because these words that we say have power and they shape and mold our characters. Popped up on my bookcase at home. Don't ask me where I've got it from. It must have been handed to me or I must have found it decades ago. Um, uh, I've got this little piece of paper and it's always been propped up on my 
book, bookcase, um, and I constantly look at it, and it's an account of a young person who happens to be at a theological college, what, what this place calls a seminary, so a sort of college for trainee priests, um, and he's training to be a priest, and let me read to you what it says. It says, one night I was in the seminary, waiting in the corridor of our infirmary, while the brother was tucking two bedridden priests in for the night. One of them was bitter and complaining, completely ungrateful. The other thanked the brother and told him that he would say an extra prayer for him before falling asleep. A sudden intuition gripped and frightened me. One day, I would be one of those two priests, selfish and cantankerous, or loving and grateful. But I knew, as I stood in the corridor of the infirmary, that the decision would not be made in the twilight of my life. It would be made in the young, formative years it was being made then. Our yesterdays lie heavily upon our todays, and our todays lie heavily upon our tomorrows. Friends, words matter. They matter for your life, and they matter for the lives of those around you. They either bring life or they bring death. They either pierce or they heal. And that is the why. Why is simplicity of speech important? So that's our first sort of question we've looked at. Why is simplicity of speech important? Next, the how. Oh, sorry, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. Next, the what. What is simplicity of speech? What is simplicity of speech? Well, simplicity of speech is a disciplined attempt to bring our speech into alignment with Jesus' heart. That's it. It's a disciplined attempt to bring our speech into alignment with Jesus' heart. Simplicity of speech is based upon the life of Jesus. As all the spiritual disciplines are, the discipline of simplicity is based upon the life of Jesus. It is an attempt to take Jesus' inner nature and manifest it through our own personalities and in our own culture, in our own place where God has given us. We want to allow Jesus' character to shine through our personalities. In essence, therefore, simplicity of speech is two things. It's to talk like Jesus and to not talk like Jesus. Sounds a little bit confusing, doesn't it? So to talk like Jesus, yes, but to not talk like Jesus. Well, we're going to look at both of these in turn. First, we want, we want to talk like Jesus. We want to build people up. We want uh, to build people up and not to tear them down. Uh, we want to bless and not to curse. We want to bring life and not death. We want to bring healing and not pain. Now, this doesn't mean that we are people who just go around saying bland compliments to everybody. Jesus did not do that. Jesus sometimes spoke some very hard 
words of truth, but he always did it in love. Think about how he met um, uh, the, the two sisters after, their, uh, after Lazarus died. To one of them, he spoke words of love to them. They needed comforting. To the other sister who came and said the exact same thing to Jesus, he spoke words of truth to her. He confronted her with the truth that he is the resurrection and the life. Jesus spoke the truth in love. His emotional intelligence was off the charts. Uh, He knew when to rebuke and when to comfort. He knew when to confront and when to ignore and simply walk away. He met people where they were. In Proverbs verse 25, verse 11, it says this, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold, in settings of silver. It does not say a compliment is like apples of gold in settings of silver. It says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Actually, when it talks to compliments and rebukes, Proverbs says the following, Proverbs 27, verse 11, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. An enemy multiplies kisses. Giving nonsense compliments to people isn't helpful for them. Sometimes we need to wound our friends in order to be true friends. That's what Jesus did. He cared more for our health than he did for being liked. Jesus didn't just compliment people. He loved them too much to shower them with shallow compliments. Rather, he blessed them with his words. He met them where they were, and he used his words to bring life and to bring people closer to God. And so, simplicity of speech is about talking like Jesus. And secondly, it's about not talking like Jesus. What on earth do you mean by that, not talking like Jesus? Well, there are plenty of occasions in the scriptures when people were amazed at what Jesus said. So, for instance, if you look in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, you will see the account of the Pharisees. They try to lay a trap for Jesus, and they basically ask him a no-win question. No matter how he answers it, he's going to be hated for it. And they, and they ask him whether it's right to pay taxes. In that date, it was a much more contentious issue than it is today. They were an occupied force. And this is what Jesus replied. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. Whose portrait is on it and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And Jesus said to them, give to, Caesar's, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And then it says these words, and they were amazed. People were amazed at the words that Jesus spoke. But also, people were amazed at the words that Jesus didn't say. If you skip forward a couple of chapters, um, uh, well, three chapters to Matthew 15, Jesus is now before Pilate, verses 2 to 5. Are you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate? Yes, It is as you say, Jesus replied. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, 
Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how they're accusing you of many things. But Jesus made no reply, and Pilate was amazed. We need to talk like Jesus, and sometimes we need to not talk like Jesus. Jesus himself here is showing something that I think is utterly remarkable, and someone in this congregation actually shared it with me, and I think it's a sign of deep spiritual maturity that Jesus entrusted himself fully to God, fully to God. He didn't try and answer the accusations that were made against him. You see, there is a proper place for speaking less. Now, I'm not saying that we should all take a vow of silence or we should all become monks. This isn't about no speech. It's about less speech. And I want to quickly highlight three reasons why we might, some of us might want to consider speaking less. Number one, when we speak less, we sin less. When we speak less, we sin less. Proverbs 10, verse 19. When words are many, transgressions are not lacking, but whoever restrains their lips is prudent, is wise. When words are many, sins are not lacking, but whoever restrains their lips is wise. There is a type of small talk which is good and a gift to the body of Christ. It's about helping people feel relaxed and at home. It's about hospitality and welcome. It's about love and building up others. But there's another type of small talk that is a breathing ground for sin. When, where there is gossip and slander, where there is character defamation and white lies, where there is sarcasm and boasting, where there is deceit and power dynamics all going on, because small talk can actually be a source of evil in the world. So let us make every effort to tame our tongues... Or, as our James passage says, let, it, let our tongues set the whole course of our life on fire. Our tongues can be destructive to us. They can set our lives on fire. Reason two for speaking less. When we do talk, if we speak less, when we do talk, people will listen. Or to borrow a phrase from uh, that influential sort of uh, architect, Ludwig Maurice van der Rohe, Less is more. Less is more. Reason three, when we talk less, we make space for others to share their voice. We allow others to come out of their shell and to share their gifts. When, when you talk to others, try to be less interesting. Try to be less concerned about whether you're interesting. Instead, try to be interested interested in them. Allow space for them to come out. Now, I want to say that quietness in itself is not a virtue. Quietness can come from a sense of insecurity, or it can come from a sense of brooding resentment. Uh, uh, Sometimes people can be silent as a way of punishing people uh, by withdrawing from them. Silence is not a virtue, Quietness in itself is not a virtue, and there'll be a number of us here that Jesus is asking to actually speak up more. He wants you to speak 
more to recognize your own value and the contribution that you have to make. But if you know that you have a tendency to be drawn into idle chit-chat, into speaking badly of people, into boasting, if you know if you have a tendency to dominate conversations and not give space to allow others to flourish and to show their beauty, then perhaps you might want to try this discipline of speaking less. Remember, our words count. They really do count. Listen to Jesus' words. These words reflect the passage about salt water and fresh water that we heard in James. But I just want to use another passage just to show you how common this thread is throughout Scripture. Again, this passage really echoes that passage we read from James. But this time on the word in the mouth of Jesus. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that every man and woman will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. That's it. Jesus doesn't pull his punches. He doesn't say it will be okay. Gossip is okay. You know, slander is okay. He says this, you will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word you have spoken. Because words matter. They bring life or they bring death. They pierce or they heal. So let us talk like Jesus. So we've looked at why the practice of simplicity of speech is important. We've looked at what the practice of simplicity of speech is. And lastly, to conclude, just a couple of sentences on the how. How can we grow in simplicity of speech? Richard Foster, who's written a lot on the spiritual disciplines, says this. Simplicity is an inner reality that results in an outward lifestyle. It's an inner reality, like Jesus was saying, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. It is an inner reality that results in an outward lifestyle. It starts from within. Now, that's not to say our outward lifestyle doesn't feed our inner reality. Of course, it is true. The more we practice simplicity, the more we will find our inner lives have peace and simplicity within them. Just as the story that I shared about the two elderly priests, the decisions that we make today do shape our inner reality. There's an interface going on. The words that we speak shape our character and personhood. But if we want to move beyond dry legalism, I will try my best not to gossip. I will try my best. If we want to move beyond us trying to pull ourselves up with our own shoelaces and move beyond dry legalism, our outward realities, our outward practices, it's a disciplined practice, remember. It's disciplined. Our outward practices need to be reinforced with an inner reality. And so we need the Holy Spirit. Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to be at work in our hearts to make us more like Jesus. Only when we, because this is why words matter, because words are about human dignity. 
Words, only when we receive a word from outside do we really start to, to feel dignity. And, and, and when we hear the words of Jesus, when we can rest and receive the life-giving words of Jesus, then our inner realities will be transformed and we will start speaking words that bring life and not death. Only when we receive the truth that we are loved, that God knows our deepest flaws and our deepest failings and yet loves us more than we could ever imagine. Only when we can rest in the confidence that we are children of God and therefore we don't need the words of others to define us and to affirm our self-worth. Only then will we be truly free to speak like Jesus. Until then, we'll be trying to use our words to manipulate people, to make us feel good about ourselves, to be building us up and to be pulling others down. But when we receive the word from outside, that word spoken to us by Jesus, that we are loved then we become free and we can speak like Jesus and only then will our speech be fully aligned with Jesus' hearts. So let us stand, and we're going to pray for that right now. We're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal to us our dignity, the love that God has for us, and that that inward reality would result in an outward change. So let's pray.